Once again, uh, welcome everyone to our Monday night gathering. I think all of you know, or hopefully you know, that winter solstice is coming. It will take place on Thursday. And to remind you, it's the, the longest night of the year, followed by the shortest day of the year. The longest night of the year the darkest time of year. And, and this evening, in honor of winter solstice, I'd like to share with you some reflections about darkness, both in terms of darkness, how it uh, comes to represent at times the challenges, the difficulties in our life, Yet also discovering, at least what I've discovered, especially when I linger with darkness, sometimes it can be such a beautiful generative source in my life. So I wanted to slow down with this. And just with these two, when they intertwine challenges and difficulties and then discovering that generative quality, uh, uh, there's potential in darkness. That's what I really want to hopefully convey. As the, the poet Theodore Ruthke said in, uh, at the beginning of one of his poems, uh, in a dark time, the eye begins to see. Darkness at times has potential. And I know for me, it's it's this path and this practice, dharma practice, that has allowed my eyes to begin to see during dark times. And as I was reflecting on this, the, one of the other reasons I wanted to share this with you during the solstice time is because for some people, the holiday season can actually be quite an emotionally dark time. I remember when I was living in a community, I lived in a, in, in a community in London for a while, and it was a community that was uh, co-created with people who were living on the streets. And during the holiday season, we wouldn't put up holiday decorations because for so many of the people who were living on the streets, the holiday season would evoke a lot of emotional pain, especially around family, just because Often there's such an intertwining with holiday, the holiday season and family. And it was a way to, to kind of give them a place to be without at least triggering those, those memories as much. And yeah, this wasn't the case for everyone, but it was definitely a, a common thread that, that we saw. And I remember this time, the especially, you know, in London, it, it like, like it gets dark early there here, but it gets dark really early there during the holiday season. And yet I, it felt like I could feel this other kind of darkness descending into the community during this time of year. And for me personally, this really used to be the case, the holiday season uh, being an emotionally challenging time for of year. And for me, it felt like, and I, I want to say, and I'll get into this, you know, of course, there was much more going on in my heart, but it, it felt like there was this pressure that I needed to feel happy and joyful 
when I definitely did not feel happy and joyful. <laughs> and, you know, some of these, it was kind of phasic for me. And often it would, uh, it was happening quite a few years ago when I was a Zen monk. And then after that, uh, the few years after that, what I would do, which was great, is I would go on retreat during the holiday season. So sometimes I'd go to Southeast Asia to practice, which was great because there wasn't any Christmas. It was really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> or on retreat, you know, it's just retreats, and uh, it, it it helped in, in some ways. And at the same time, I definitely don't want to be a bummer for those of you who delight in this time of year. I mean, it really is. <laughs> uh, it can be a beautiful time of year of connection and kindness and generosity. So I, I don't want to to be the 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 party pooper in the at the parties as far as that goes. So yes, a big yes to that. How wonderful and, and beautiful. And to also acknowledge that, you know, it's different for different people and there's space for both of those. And as I dive into this realm, I, I want to be really clear. Uh, I, I am actually not offering any solutions to the challenges in your life that might feel like a cold, dark night that weighs you down or troubles you. Rather, what I'm offering, uh, kind of the way uh, this poet Stephen uh, Dobins puts it, he's, he's, he says, uh, what I'm offering really is fragments of language and fragments of blue sky. Really, that's all. So, and for maybe for some of you, these fragments, uh, you'll piece them together in, into something that's meaningful for you, or maybe something that feels like a way forward. And really, just to be honest, that's all I ever do up here is offer fragments. Fragments of language and fragments of blue sky. Maybe the the blue sky of this path and this, pra uh, this practice and fragments of language that point to that blue sky. So here are a few fragments about this realm of darkness and how it can intertwine with this path of the Dharma. As I said, how darkness can become much more than just challenge and difficulty and how really in a, in a dark time, the eye begins to see a darkness that at times might have potential, even beauty. As I said, you know, I remember earlier in my life, I would experience these phases of emotional darkness that felt like I was, it felt like, I don't know if any anyone's experienced this, this, this fog of darkness that encompassed my life. And it, it felt like this undifferentiated fog of darkness. It was like I, I, it was like a mass of darkness. I wasn't wasn't quite sure what was in it, so it was uh, foggy, but I knew it was there. And there's a a poem that I feel points at least at least in terms of the felt sense of it in this direction, and it's uh, a poem by uh, Charles Bukowski, really known for <laughs> language around darkness, <laughs> quite gifted in that way. And there's a poem of his called, uh, No Help for That. He says, there is a place in the heart that will never be filled. 
a space. And even during the best moments and the greatest times, we will know it. We will know it more than ever. There is a place in the heart that will never be filled and we will wait and wait in that space. Right, that, that place in the heart that will never be filled, it's, it's like an underlying ache there in one's own being. And it can feel like there. It's, it's there in the best moments, even in the greatest of times. And there's no help for that. It really feels that way. It feels like there's no help for that. Maybe some of you can relate to this if you've been through phases like this. And when I reflect back on my journey, I, I can see how over years and years, I'm not saying like I do something and that it changes, like years and years of practice, it's really allowed such experiences to shift. And also in particular, how the mind that was relating to those experiences shifted. I think that's the thing I'm most curious about, how the heart and mind shifts around darkness rather than darkness like fading away forever. I mean, that's just not the way it is. There's day and there's night. Yet a shift can happen. And when I reflect back and I try to get a felt sense of how that shift happened, I, I think part of it was because the influence of all the dimensions of this path, which I, I really want to emphasize, uh, which includes things like the support that comes from community, from Sangha. That's why we come together on Monday nights and do other things together. Spiritual community or spiritual friendship, having friends that I can talk to that support me in a way that's onward leading. The support of ethical conduct. When I've been in those spaces, it's been important that I'm not acting out of such challenges and difficulties in a way that harms me or harms somebody else. Because that is just making it worse. And then these other things that we talk about here in this community, the power of generosity, it, it lifts up my heart, the quality of samadhi, of kindness, or of compassion, joy, and equanimity, the importance of beginning to have insight into these dynamics. Right? These, this is something that carries me onward in the darkness. And, and hopefully you're hearing, like, and it, this is just a side note that I want to mention here, to, to acknowledge there, there is the experience, and some of you might have had, had this, of really what I'd call incapacitating darkness, where it feels like, and you really can't do much at all. And so I just want to name as a side note, it's so important to reach out for support from friends or even professional support. And conversely, if you know of someone in such a state, to reach out to them, it's so important, given these, these dynamics around certain flavors of darkness. So as I was saying, there's all these different elements of the path and the practice that have supported me. And I mentioned them also to, to, to kind of emphasize what I said is that what we're offering here in this community is not only about teaching meditation. Meditation is core, it's central. 
but it's not the whole path. If if I'm just engaged in meditation, it doesn't carry me forward like the entirety of this path. And I I, I found this really important. And again, as I said, meditation is quite important. And I'm going to be lingering with that tonight. Um, just some things around that. I want to focus on a meditative aspect of Dharma practice that for me has felt poignant in this domain of, of, of darkness. And I'd like to tie that to a particular Buddhist teaching, a very uh, a classical Buddhist teaching that you find in many schools of Buddhism. And that's the teaching around the Four Noble Truths. And in particular, the just the first noble truth that I want to tie this together in. And the first noble truth is simply the acknowledgement that there is stress, there is suffering in human life. Or as I was saying, there is a place in the heart that we're that will never be filled. The Pali word, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, the, the Pali word is, is dukkha. It really encompasses this whole range of, you could say, discontent and stress and a heart, that place in the heart that will never be filled. And to be clear, it doesn't mean that there isn't joy and happiness and delight in one's life. It's just acknowledging that there are these other things. Like, is there anyone here who has not experienced stress or suffering? It's like it, it, it's rooted, and this is what I love about Buddhism. It's rooted in my lived experience. It's not rooted in a philosophical claim. It's saying, oh, this is where we start. Things are tough at times. And then the task for a practitioner in regard to this first noble truth is to understand dukkha, to understand stress, to understand that there is a place in the heart that will never be filled and to, to come to terms with that, to, 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 to get a deep understanding of that. And this is not to intellectually understand it. Of course, maybe having some intellectual understanding of this teaching is really helpful Rather, it's you could say it's to understand with, with our hearts and our bodies something much deeper than just thinking about it. And for me, one of the ways I gain this understanding is by slowing down, slowing down and feeling into these particular experiences of darkness. Because as I said, when I slow down in a dark time, the eye begins to see, the heart begins to see, it begins to hear and taste and feel that darkness. And the example I uh, that comes to mind around this is it reminds me when I was quite young, it was, um, still in high school and my mother i'm grateful for my mother for this she she loved to backpack and so i decided a few times to go out and backpack with her things by myself which was great but uh i remember that time when the day draws down and the darkness of, of night begins to arrive you know here i am a young kid not really used to being in the forest at night <laughs> And, and I remember, you know, during such times like this, 
I'm so unfamiliar with that darkness. It's all undifferentiated, as I was saying. And I feel uncertain and scared because I don't know what's out there in the forests. I don't know who's out there in the forest. And that darkness of night from my mind is just this undifferentiated mass of darkness upon which my mind was creating all kinds of stories about the creatures that were out there. Yet what I noticed over time by spending time in the forest at night is I started to become familiar with the various sounds, sometimes even the smells, the shapes, the small creatures that are passing by, right? I hear something. And if I slow down and linger, I can notice, oh, oh, that's just the broken branch creaking in the wind again. I heard that before. That's what it is. That's what's there in the dark. Oh, and then there's that other sound, the sound of the wood rat gnawing away at a cactus plant in the middle of the night. Oh, that's what that is. That's what's also part of the darkness. The sound of the coyotes, the owl, you know, the, the faint clicking of bats. Have you heard that? You know, the, is there flying in the air? Or when the skunk comes out, the scampering of the skunk. <laughs> and, and there I'm knowing, I'm understanding darkness, I'm differentiating. It's like I, I, I'm able to sense into the varied terrain of the darkness of the forest. It's no longer undifferentiated. It's rich and it's varied. It has all these dimensions to it. And yes, what comes with darkness sometimes is I can still feel unsettled, but definitely not always. I'm clear about the darkness. And this to me is the process of knowing and sensing into dukkha. It's, it's sensing into the darkness of the heart. It, it's really like, just like being in the forest, like I was sharing. I can begin to, to discover there's so much dimensionality, depth, and noticing how my mind uh, was, is perceiving it, which is also part of the arising of this darkness. So here I am learning how to linger with darkness, to slow down with it in the same way. And then something arises. It's like, oh, interesting. Oh, the darkness, it feels like this. And I, I love that phrase. Oh, it feels like this in this particular uh, moment. Oh, interesting. There's a feeling of loneliness in this darkness. It's not just darkness. Oh, I feel lonely. Oh, and there's the heaviness in my body. Oh, there's the feeling that here's the heaviness. I'm starting to see the creatures in the night. <laughs> and it's so interesting, like, especially with something like uh, loneliness. Uh, you know, and I remember there was this whole phase of that when I was a monk. And as I continued to sense into it, it was like my heart stopped being as reactive to it. It didn't have as much need to fight with it. And then I became curious about it. Sometimes the, the loneliness, it was stronger. Sometimes it was weaker. 
but, but I was able to, to simply notice it. And then there were times where it was like, oh, interesting, this time, this isn't loneliness. This is just me feeling alone. Oh, and there's something wonderful about being alone. <laughs> and then that started to deepen, like a new kind of darkness started to emerge of aloneness, which is this exquisite quality sometimes of solitude. Have you ever experienced solitude? So beautiful, the sense of solitude. The Buddha would talk about this. He did he'd use this Pali word viveka, which is sometimes translated as seclusion, where the body and the mind are secluded. Really, what they're secluded from are kind of the chattering, fearful chattering in the mind. One is secluded so one can feel the joy of, of solitude. And then in that solitude, it's like I can touch the depths of silence and mystery and surprisingly, connection, deep connection. Right? There can be such beautiful experiences and qualities of hearts that are there in the darkness. And so many other dimensions there around darkness, like the thinking mind, the negative self-talk that I can get mesmerized by, right? The, the self-judgment, the globalizing way of perceiving. You know those phrases like that your mind says, oh, it's always going to be like this. You ever have that come <laughs> that repeats? And the opposite of that, which is really the same thing, is I'm never going to experiencing experience anything other than this, the world of always and never. My mind generalizes, it globalizes. And just to notice, oh, this is the way the mind is right now. It's just like this. It's just generalizing, overgeneralizing. It's just globalizing. And emotion. Have you noticed the different flavors of emotion in darkness? Sometimes for me, when it's around a loss, yeah, the, the feeling of sadness is there. Sometimes melancholy. But sometimes as I linger with it, even if it's a, a, a big loss, like when I've lost a friend or a family member, yeah, it's painful, but other times it feels poignant. And then my system sometimes starts to feel tranquil or sometimes surprisingly. And I remember this experiencing this as, as I was younger when my grandmother died. It was so devastating. But holding that grief and that loss and that darkness, especially with family, there were these moments of relief, moments of letting go right there in the darkness. Sometimes even joy there in the darkness. So there can be such depth there, such potential. The poet Rilke speaks about this. He, he, he glorifies it in some way. He has this poem, you, darkness, 
says, you, darkness that I come from, I love you more than all the fires that fence in the world. For the fire makes a circle of light for everyone, and then no one outside learns of you. But the darkness pulls in everything, shapes and fires, animals and myself, how easily it gathers them, powers and people. And it is possible a great presence is moving near me. I have faith in nights. What would it be like, at least at times, to have faith in nights? Have faith that it's possible, at least at times, that in a dark time, the eye can begin to see. And to be honest, I don't I don't know if these forests of darkness that I've experienced, I don't know if they've become less painful. I haven't put them on some kind of pain cage over the years. But I do know, for me at least, my my heart isn't as troubled by them. And that's really made so much difference. And as I said, sometimes there's a strange kind of richness and depth there. And again, to be clear, uh, these unfoldies I'm sharing with you, it, this is things that have happened over years, years of slowing down and lingering, really as I'm stumbling around in the darkness, groping around, trying to get a sense of what's there. So I, I don't want to give or convey some kind of message that it's some kind of nice, neat, linear process. It's messy. It's up and down. And maybe it's true, I don't know. Maybe there is a place in the heart that will never be filled. And yet what can emerge from this kind of exploration is the recognition that I actually don't need to fill it. That it's okay for it to be there, even in the best of moments and the greatest of times. And yeah, that there's no help for that. And maybe at times there's no need for help for that. So maybe these fragments of language and blue sky or maybe possibly other fragments you may discover, may they be for the benefit of all beings. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.